1: God, and I can't wait to share that with you. Well, I want to go ahead and jump right on into the word of the Lord. I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel chapter 14, and I'm going to be reading from verse 1 through 11. I'm going to start here in the New Living Translation. Ezekiel 14 and one this praise team has done a great job our live stream team has also done a tremendous job the people behind the camera and so I give God honor and praise for them and a huge shout out to all of those guys okay Ezekiel 14 beginning at verse 1 and I'm going to read through 11 listen up or if you have your Bible or your Bible app you might want to I believe today is gonna be one of those messages where you want to kind of cross-reference you want to look at and just kind of be able to digest it so let's read then some of the leaders of israel visited me and while they were sitting with me this message came to me from the lord son of man these leaders have set up idols in their hearts they have embraced things that will make them fall into sin why should i listen to their request tell them this is what the sovereign lord says The people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts and fallen into sin. And then they go to a prophet asking for a message. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. I will do this to capture the minds and hearts of all my people who have turned from me to worship their detestable idols. Therefore, tell the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Repent and turn away from your idols and stop all of your detestable sins. I, the Lord, will answer all those, both Israelites and foreigners who reject me and set up idols in their hearts and so fall into sin. I believe foreigners, if you go back, I believe this is really prophetically speaking of Gentiles uh, who fall into sin and who then come to a prophet asking for my advice. I will turn against such people and make a terrible example of them, eliminating them from among my people. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And if a prophet is deceived into giving a message, it is because I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. I will will lift my fist against such prophets and cut them off from the community of Israel. False prophets and those who seek their guidance will all be punished for their sins. In this way, the people of Israel will learn not to stray from me, polluting themselves with sin. They will be my people, and if you read this, you'll hear this a lot in Scripture if you read Scripture. They will be my people, and I will be their God. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken. And by the help of the Holy Ghost, probably, you can probably tell that this is going to be a strong message today. (laughs) But this is what the Lord has laid on my heart, and I know you can handle it. Aligning my heart with His aligning my heart with His. I know we've worshiped, but would you just join me in a prayer for a moment? Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. And I'm so thankful for everybody watching today. I'm thankful for those that are able to gather here. I pray that our hearts and minds are open to you and that you would help me to preach this word uh, like I'm preaching to myself because I really am, Lord. I want it to be seasoned with mercy and grace and love. Let our hearts and minds be open and let brokenness come upon your people as our hearts get into alignment with yours. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus name. Amen. Now, I know that's a strong passage, but I do want to talk about it, aligning my heart to his. Now, well, the heart of a man, this is God's word has a different view of the heart than typical medicinal views. Uh, this heart to the Hebrew mind was not a physical organ pumping blood. It was actually something different. Not a physical organ pumping blood to the extremities of the body. No, it was really the wellspring of all emotion. The Bible, and I'm going to give you some references that you can actually even see on the screen. It says, with the heart, a person loves. I give you scripture reference, 1 Peter 1.22. I'm not going to cite them all because you can see them, but with the same heart, a person hates. Joy can flood a person's heart, according to Ecclesiastes 2 and 10. The same heart can be filled with sorrow. A heart can become bitter, according to Ezekiel 27, 31. Again, the same heart can be filled with peace, according to Colossians three fifteen. The heart can be the abode of courage, if you reference Amos 2, 16. So unlike the physical heart of our concept uh, or the physical heart of our concept, we're really talking about the emotional heart. The Bible presents the heart with the ability or the qualities of the mind. If you study this out, the heart has the ability to ponder. It has the ability to perceive. It believes, it understands, it imagines, it even wills, and it can decide. The heart of the man is really the man himself. It's the real you. It's the real me. The person behind the persona, if you will. The character behind the charisma. The face behind the facade. The man behind the mask. The reality behind the reputation. Is anybody hearing me this afternoon? The woman behind the well, if you will. The heart of man can become soft and warm toward God, but that same heart, the heart of man can also grow brittle. It can grow hard. It can grow cold. And that is, and has always been the mystery of the heart. These men in scripture that I read to you about today, these were elders. In other words, these were leaders in the church today. And what he said is that they had set up idols in their hearts Now, why do you think they had set them up in their hearts? They didn't want to set up wooden idols because they didn't want anybody to know they weren't worshiping God. In other words, these were leaders in the church who came to the church and put on a face and pretended to be worshipers, but they still had idols. They just had idols in their hearts. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I wonder how many of us fall into that category. We look real good in church, and I know I'm dressed up today. Normally, my neck is itching. Praise God! <laughs> I don't know why I decided to wear a tie. Praise God! But I'm not normally that guy. I just I just thought, you know what? I'm gonna wear I'm gonna wear a suit today. Praise. <laughs> but when they come to church and they look real good. Look real cute. Okay, uh, but you know what? On the outside, they look like they have it all together. But the reality is they still have idols. We still have idols. The reality of it is if we're just going to be brutally honest, can we be honest today? We have them. It's just where you can't see them. But you do need to know God can see them. God has always been concerned about our hearts. See, don't think he is the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Oftentimes we will err and think that he was only concerned about the outward expressions in the Old Testament and that he was concerned about the inward expression in the New Testament. But the reality is scripture is in perfect harmony. He has always been concerned about the heart, the inner man, if you will. I'll give it to you in the Old Testament so you know that I'm what I'm talking about because God has always been concerned if man has had idols in our hearts. He's always been concerned about our hearts. And today, what I believe God wants to do is He wants to get our hearts in alignment with His, but He's going to have to do some excavating. He's going to have to do a little digging. Some things are going to have to be revealed. So let me show you Deuteronomy 10, verse 16. Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer that's old testament let me show you in the new testament romans 2 29 circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit not in the letter so do you understand that circumcision in the old testament was never about fleshly circumcision It was always to represent a salvation in the future, always to represent a circumcision of the heart. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the consequences of not having our heart aligned. Let's talk about the consequences of having some hidden things in our hearts that can cause us to be misaligned. I believe the Lord wants to align our hearts with his The first thing that can happen when your heart is out of alignment, when you have other things in your heart, the first thing that will happen, I want you to hear me, it's spiritual deception. Spiritual deception. I want to show you. Look at verse 3 of the text that I read to you. Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced Things that make them fall into sin. See, when you have an idol in your heart, you will be deceived and you'll begin to sin presumptuously. The deception will be so great, you will actually plan to sin. Not only will you actually plan to sin, you'll begin to accommodate the sin. In other words, if you have whatever idol that is in your life, you fill in the blank in your life. You'll think about how you can get away with it privately. You'll think about how you can do it covertly. You'll think about how you can hide that sin. This sin that you have, this idol that you have, you'll literally plan it step by one, step one, step two, step three, all to accommodate that sin let me highlight something to you. Some of us even in a cavalier rogue way think that, oh, when I sin, I'll just flippantly and be glib and just ask God to forgive me, to presume upon the grace of God. Can I tell you, let me explain something to you. This is the height of deception for a believer. When you and I sin presumptuously, Look at Romans 13, 14. Paul said it like this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. But if there's an idol in your heart, and please understand the reason why I can preach on having idols in our lives is because I've been there, done that. I've been there, done that more than anybody in this room. I've been there, done that more than anybody watching online. I understand planning to sin and planning to accommodate the sin. Why in the world do you think I'm so passionate about authentic and transparent living before him and others? Because I know what it's like to suffocate under the weight of faking everybody out. I know what it's like to be reaching and wondering, God, are you there? Do you hear me? Do you even care when the reality is you know you're bound by things that don't please him? Yet nobody else can see it, but your heart is tied up. I'm preaching to somebody that will be willing to say, God, I just want my heart to breathe again. God, I want my heart to beat again. I'm here to preach hope by revealing some things in our lives. I know this might be a strong message today, but God is coming to help you. God is coming to deliver you. I'm telling you, you're in the right place for the right time because we serve a God who is rich in mercy, rich in grace. Praise God. I know what it's like. Why do you think we preach and we live no perfect people allowed It's for this reason alone? Because I'm not interested in something Pharisaical. If you don't know what that means, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. I'm not suggesting I look good like the Pharisees, but they looked like they were in church. But the reality is they were far from the church. This is why I'm not interested in people coming in wearing a plastic smile. I'm not interested in people faking everything out. No, 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 I'd rather you come in and say, man, I'm hurting. And not be judged. I'd rather you come in and say, man, I'm struggling with some things. And you not be ridiculed. I'd rather you say, you know what, man, if you could just pray with me, if I could just get to the, I knew if I could get here, I'd be okay, I'd be loved. Because let me just tell you, the world will beat you up long enough. But as long as I'm the pastor at Extraordinary Church, it will be a place of safety. It will be a place of refuge. It will be a place where you can be safe in the presence of God and with believers, This is why we will not look down on you when you fall, but we'll consider ourselves and restore one another in a spirit of meekness and gentleness. This is why you might know somebody's business and you ought not know it. And you might be wondering why, Pastor, you haven't called it out because love covers That's what the Bible says love covers. And so instead of exposing somebody, I'm more interested in them being healed. I'm more interested in them being restored as opposed to being exposed. I'm interested in God doing a work in their life. So you have to understand that the idol, the idol is something that takes the place of God. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. If it is something, it is something that your heart, Cares more about than accommodating God. You have an idol. Okay? If you have something in your life that you're more concerned about accommodating than God, you have an idol in your life. Here's the second thing that happens when we have idols in our lives. Point number two, and this is where I'm gonna dig in a little bit spiritual adultery. I'm going to show you. Let's go. Let's go. Look at Ezekiel 14.5. I'm reading it to you now to the New King James. And many of you know that I'm a, a bit of a wannabe Bible nerd, but the New King James is my primary translation, though I love to read other versions of the Bible. I read to you out of the New Living. It's kind of my second the ESV is the third, a close third, and then I have the amplified. But the reason why I teach and preach mostly from the New King James is because it's more closely to a word-for-word translation as opposed to thought-for-thought Another one that's more closely aligned to word for word would be the Young's literal translation. This is important because I want you to understand it takes the word and it literally translates it, whether it's Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic, whereas you get to something else like the New Living that I read to you, it's more of a thought. It's trying to capture the thought of what's taking place. And here's what I want you to understand. This is why I'm reading this to you out of the New King James. Listen to what it says. Verse 5, that I may seize the house of Israel by their heart, because they are all estranged from me by their idols. See, this word estranged is, it's the best translation. And it literally, what it means is a woman who is married, who is in adultery, and has left her husband to be in an adulterous affair, but she's still married. So here's what God says, because these people have an idol in their heart, they're still married to me, but they've left me and they're in an adulterous relationship. See, some people have never understood this and have never heard this, but sin is spiritual adultery. When you commit sin, you leave the intimacy of your husband, Jesus Christ. And you go and you are now intimate with an idol. What you think about that for a moment? And let me just take this a step further. I want you to understand. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us, that an idol is literally nothing. Nothing. I want to reveal something to you. I want you to see this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 19. What am I trying to say? This is what Paul says. What am I trying to say? Am I saying that food offered to idols has some significance or that idols are real gods? No, not at all. That's what he says. It's nothing. An idol is nothing. The figurine is nothing. The emblem is nothing. Okay, but watch this. Let me read again, verse 20, but all of verse 20, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20. No, not at all. I'm saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want you to participate with demons. It's not the idol. It's the demon behind the idol. I know this is tough. But you need to realize there is no demilitarized zone in the spirit realm. You need to understand you're either on the Lord's side or you're not. It's just that simple. Let me take it a step further, though. When you and I, notice I'm talking to myself here. When you and I, when we step outside of intimacy with God, You know what we do? We go and commit adultery. Literally, according to Paul, you're not giving yourself to that idol. You know what you're giving yourself to? The demon behind the idol. And then you hide your sin. Then I hide my sin. And we try to slip back in, slide into an intimate relationship with God, hoping that he doesn't know what we've done and what we've did. Uh, But you think he knows? Okay. (laughs) Let me explain something to you. Now, he's not condemning us, but we are breaking his heart. In the same way. You, uh, if you're married, the same way a spouse would feel if their lover did that, you're breaking God's heart the same way. Let me let me show you scripture. I I, I want to encourage you when you have time to to go back and, and to read 1 Corinthians ten, and then when you have some time, I would love to have you go back and read. Jeremiah 3. I I'm going to read something to you out of Jeremiah 3 here. Just stick with me for a moment. I believe God's going to help us. I feel and declare the grace of God right now in the name of Jesus. I also believe that illumination is happening and that people are beginning to see things for what they are. You need to realize, I'm just going to push pause here for a moment because I'm coming after the devil. I'm nobody, but I'm coming after him and I'm about to reveal this fraud for what he is. He is a hoax and a magician and I want you to know you might think everything is acceptable, but that is not what the word says. I'm trying to help you right now. It's not even about the action. I'm trying to help you from bondage. I'm trying to help you from depression. I'm trying to help you from destruction. I'm trying to get you out of the pit of despair. I'm trying to let you know that the devil is a master marketer. It might look good and it might look acceptable, but what he's doing is wrapping up sin and making it look good. He's wrapping up depression. He's wrapping up suicide. He's wrapping up heartache hoping that you'll bite the bait, but I'm telling somebody right now in the name of Jesus, he's calling you out of that. You're going to be. It's going to be revealed. You're going to know it is what it is and you won't fall for that trap anymore praise god praise god look at jeremiah chapter 3 verse 6 the lord said also to me in the days of josiah the king have you seen what backsliding israel has done she has gone up on every high mountain and and under every green tree and there played the harlot Oh, God, help me. (laughs) In a biblical context, you need to understand that a mountain is where you build altars. And a tree is where you build idols. Let me show you another verse that explains it a little bit more. Same chapter, verse 9. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. How do you commit adultery with stones and trees? It's literally impossible, but spiritually it is possible. Stones are what you build altars with. Trees are what you build the idols with. They were building altars to foreign gods. And Paul revealed this And told us what the foreign gods were. What are they? Demons. Okay. I'm just going. I'm just. I'm in the book. I'm in the book. I know it's tight, but I'm in the book. Deuteronomy 32, 17. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods, they did not know to new gods, new arrivals, that's what it says. See, they've been there. See, these, these demons that you might be wondering, what is he talking about? Dem- demons have been there since, since, since the beginning. They're fallen angels. They, they, they decided to go their way with the Lucifer, if you will, <laughs> I mean, they're all there throughout the Old Testament, and they built it at an altar and sacrificed it to God. I mean, this is what they did, and those with um, these false gods, that's what they did, and they even, look, you could go through, what, when you look at the Old Testament, I'll just give you an example. When you look at the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament too, by the way, but when the Lord is doing the miraculous through Moses, what do you think is doing the miraculous through Pharaoh's? hired magicians demons when when moses threw his rod down on the ground his staff excuse me and it turned into a snake the magicians weren't phased one bit they were like watch this what do you think was doing that a demon you need to understand this is why Uh, I have been on a detox I told my wife so I think perhaps I'm seeing more clearly than I ever have perhaps in the 20 plus years I've been living for the Lord Jesus Christ but this detox I feel like is illuminating certain things in my life and I'm drifting further and further away from the things that seduce me into buying into the notions of the world and its systems but you got to be very careful what you watch. I know this is old school preaching today, and this is not popular, and I know some of you all might tune me out, but I believe most of you all are dialed in and tapped in, and you're thinking, no, I hear what you're saying, man of God, because it's not me, but it's the mercy of God. It's the love of God trying to get us to understand where we are. We have to be careful what we watch. We also have to be careful what we listen to, because there is something behind. There is something behind that. See, listen, listen to what he says in the same chapter of Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. In other words, we're in covenant. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I'll bring you to Zion. You know what he says? This I love this when he talks about coming back to me because context is everything. Here is when he says... And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I know this is a pretty strong message, but you need to understand when we sin, how do we ask for forgiveness? Are we flippant like no big deal? Just driving down the road. God, you know about that thing? Forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Or are you just as broken as a spouse would be after committing adultery and being convicted about it. Do you know why? you know why we're often, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. You know why? You know, the Lord, he just told me this. I can't tell you how many times I came back and forth in my room from my office to the bedroom to tell Sarah, look with him. He, you know what the Lord told me? He said, you know the times when you were doing that stuff and you were just casual and you were like, Lord, I'm sorry. He said, you know why you could do that? Because you weren't interested in returning to intimacy with me. You didn't desire real intimacy with me. You wanted to still go out there and cover things up and have to have your cake and eat it too. Have my blessings, but still be able to be in an adulterous relationship with someone else. That's why, that's why. I can remember when... And that's not the sniffles from a cold, praise God. (laughs) Um, I feel like I need some tissue. Help me, Lord. I'm trying to keep my composure good. It's okay. If I get tissue, I might fall out. Help me, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry, Lord. Oh, God. Oh, oh God. I'm so sorry. Uh, I can remember uh, when Sarah and I... Thank you, babe. Uh, I can remember when Sarah and I first got married, even before we were we were dating and I think y'all have heard me tell this story before. So um, she and I have been, anyway, to make a long story short, I just said, hey, our relationship is gonna be amazing. And she was expressing some concerns, not about our relationship, but this, that she was kind of saying, hey, I, you know, um, when I'm all in, I'm all in, and I wanna know that I can trust you, and um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, hey, look, I'll never forget it. She actually gave me these 10 Commandments of hers or of her own that she was choosing uh and uh, just kind of choosing to love me and how she was all in and i was like hey, i'm gonna cherish that and don't worry every day is gonna not you know be romance and blah 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 rub her feet and she says about rubbing her feet yes i forgot all about it help me lot to rub when i get home tonight praise god i was my mind was preoccupied but uh nonetheless so i was like don't worry about that girl i'm always rub the feet and praise god and i remember one day uh she was talking to me and um she was talking and I was working at my computer. So let's just, just envision for those that are watching like Sarah's right here talking to me. So she's talking and I'm just working. I'm just, a, and she's like, this was early on in our marriage. So she's like, Hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah So we do that in like two or three minutes. And she like, Hey, you know, what did I say? And I'm, if I'm being brutally honest, I don't know what she said. So I was like this, I was like, You know what you said, you know, and I was like, and I was like, I really had no clue. And she was like, no, seriously, what did I say? And at this point I was like, I can't even hide nowhere. I was like, it would have been nice. If I was quick, I'm not the quick, I don't have quick wit. So I was like, she, and then at this point she, I could tell she was starting to just be a little emotional and I didn't even want to look at her. I was just like, Oh God. And so I began to turn and face the music. She was like, you realize I have not said one intelligible word. I've just been mumbling. She said, you're so preoccupied with whatever you're doing, you're not even listening to me. And I can remember uh, being devastated. I was like, oh, God, this is so- I don't know how long were we? 18 months, I don't know, twelve months, I don't know. Uh, and so that wasn't the normal course and tone and tenor of our relationship, but I remember I was with some friends of mine, two of my boys, Kevin Coley, Carl Johnson. Shout out to my boys. I don't know if they I know they ain't watching, but I gotta shout out my boy Kay Coley. That's my guy. Anyway, we're together, there's still some of my dear friends, and I can remember we were in I drove an Eldorado Cadillac. Praise God. You know, everybody on the live stream team could fit in that Cadillac right now. Everybody watching. There could be thousands of people watching. We would all fit in the Cadillac, okay? Comfortably, comfortably. They don't make cars like that anymore because they had bench seats, praise God. And you could just bring your honey and you could just slide a on in. Praise God. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Praise God. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, I just pull that thing and just bring Sarah on in. And we didn't worry about hitting anybody because, or anybody hitting us because they hit us. I was more worried about them because these cars are made of steel. Today, today you could just kind of walk by and just kick a car. And that thing will just fold up. But anyway... So we were all in this car together, uh, the three of us awake on the Krispy Kreme donuts. And uh, man, we just, the light was on. Somebody that light at Krispy Kreme. See, like whenever I drive by Krispy Kreme, the light is on. I promise, I was driving by yesterday. The light was on, except it was like a two hour line. So I just kept going. So we were there eating donuts and I just broke down. And I said, guys, you know what? I was like, I think my marriage is over. I didn't really think it was over, but I knew I had messed up big time. And, uh, you know, I just kind of shared what had happened. And they were like, here's why you need each other. Here's why you need an e-group. Because they were a part of my small group and we developed a close-knit connection. I broke down. Then, you know what? Man, they broke down. They said, man... We, we feel the same way. They begin to open up. So we had a big idea. We said, oh, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. We're going to go out and get flowers and get a nice restaurant and a special part of the restaurant dedicated just for the three of us couples. And we'll get a hotel room and get dresses and get limousines to pick our wives up. And they won't know what's going on. And all this will be wonderful. And we did all of that, and that was great. We had a wonderful time, and we still got those photos. It was a good time. I remember that clearly. I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it started with an A or something. I don't know. Anyway, she's like, I don't know. Praise God. So my point is, let me get to the point. I remember the Lord dealing with me and saying, hey, Keel, He's like, remember that, what you did for Sarah? It was like a couple days later. He was like, that was cute, but that's not going to fix the problem. He said, what you did was a work of the flesh. He said, but if you want to fix it, kind of like what Abraham did with Hagar, that was a work of the flesh. Remember later, that work of the flesh had to be evicted. So he said, here's what you can do. You can go to your wife, look her in the eyes and repent and get a bucket of water, a basin of water and wash your feet by humbling yourself. That's a work of the spirit. And I can remember... Going to her and doing just that, apologizing, uh, having the water. I don't even think I actually got a chance to wash your feet because we were so broken. It was just my, <laughs> I was sobbing like a baby. Uh, we never got, I don't think we actually got to the foot washing. That's the kind of repentance God is looking for. And you know why I was willing to do that? Because I wanted to return to an intimate relationship with her. You know what? I want to know him. I want to know him. I'm tired of being bound. I'm tired. I'm tired of being, I'm tired of being ostracized from the presence of God. I'm tired of living this life that doesn't please him. Is anybody hearing me today? Here, here, let me just tell you, the reason that we don't confess sin with heartfelt repentance is because we don't understand that it's adultery. If we understood that it was adultery, we wouldn't be so quick to do it. So a couple of points and I'm done. I'm wrapping up. I realize I've gone much longer than I anticipated. One, if you have an idol in your heart, it'll cause deception. Two, It'll cause spiritual adultery. Here's the last thing, and I'm done. The last thing is spiritual deafness. It causes spiritual deafness. The reason the elders went to the prophet was because they couldn't hear God for themselves. They weren't just believers. They were elders. They were leaders in the church and couldn't hear God. Why then did they need to go to this prophet to get a word from God? What was the reason they couldn't hear God? because they were estranged from God. They left their married partner and they were living with idols. They weren't in intimacy with him anymore. Look at Isaiah 59 and two, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Did you hear that? His, your sin, my sin have hidden his face from us. That's what sin will do. I understand we grow in our ability to hear God in the same way that a baby grows in its ability to understand communication and to communicate. We all grow in our ability to hear God and to talk to God. I understand that. But having said that, have you ever gone through a season where you feel like you couldn't hear God? Is it possible that you allowed an idol to be set up in your heart? That you care more about what money says? than what God says perhaps you care more about what fear says than what God says that you care more about what lust says than God says that you care more about what anger says than what God says that's an idol and we have to get rid of them and we have to get our heart in alignment with his the bible says that we should fear God but check out what it says if we fear man proverbs twenty nine twenty five: the fear of man brings a snare But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. (laughs) Praise God. What that means is if you have the fear of man rather than the fear of God, it means that you care more about what people think than what God says. It's the same thing with an idol. Hear me. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to close. If you care more about what anything else says other than what God says, you have something in your heart that's higher than God. If you care more about what anything else says other than what God says, you have something in your heart that's higher than God. And that's what causes spiritual deafness. See, here's what's happened when you have an idol in your heart. The Lord is trying to woo you back. Don't you hear him calling you now? I'm going to invite our musicians to come. It's because he doesn't want you to be in darkness. He knows the end of darkness It's death. So he's doing everything he can to pull you back to him. And I know we just got finished with 40 days of prayer and fasting and giving. And we talked about this being the year of alignment. And I believe it is the year of alignment. We talked about casting vision for it. And we talked about how we need a cross in our lives. If any man is going to come after Jesus Christ, he must first deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. And now we're talking about finding a place of repentance. I want to pray with you for a moment, and then our praise team is going to sing a song. The song talks about Jesus at the center. In other words, he's in his rightful place in our lives. And we're getting... Back into alignment. This is why, you know, if you read in the Old Testament, they violently attacked anything that came after the lordship of Yahweh. He would go and say, Don't, don't, don't kind of like, oh, come here, little idol, come here. No. Violently cast it down, break it, destroy it there's anything in our heart, I want to pray for you. Lord, I'm praying right now that you begin to search us. Your goodness, your mercy is calling us, Lord. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. So you and I are not even capable of repenting on our own. If you have some things in your life, can I tell you, God is calling you home today. He's calling you to get rid of those things. Would you begin to just allow him to search your heart? Father, I'm praying right now for everybody watching, everybody that's a part of our live stream team. I pray in the name of Jesus that your grace and your mercy and your love would cover, Lord. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of hope. Because you said you're faithful and you're just to forgive us and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness, come on, God is here to cleanse you. He's here to renew you and to restore the joy of His salvation in your life. Let those tears stream down your face. Sing with this team. Tell them, Jesus, you're the center. Jesus,
0: the center of it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.